Hi. I got a tape I want to play. Just what do you think you're doing, Dave? Your move, creep. Take me to the volcano! So why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? Come with me if you want to live. This town needs an enema. Like I said, I need a bacchiatomy. Yes, that's a human ear, all right. I got a bad feeling about this. So it's come to this. It's here. We're here, baby. It's happening. The movies are back. Oh, man. <laughs> I know. We were just talking. The movies are back. Some good stuff out right I was, now. I wasn't expecting 2021 to become one of my favorite years of movies. <laughs> yeah. like, I, I wasn't was, expecting no. to see a movie in 2021. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm right there with you. I was thinking you. of like my 10 favorites in the, of this past year, and then I expanded that out to like 20 favorites. Like I'm loving so many movies this year. There's a lot of great stuff. And yeah. this... This is right up there with my favorites. I'm Charlie. I'm Eric. This is a movie podcast. We talk and watch a lot of movies, and uh, this is somehow our first Paul Thomas Anderson movie. I know. 130 plus in. A huge oversight on our part. Yeah. Because I love Paul Thomas Anderson movies. Yeah, there aren't many other directors over the last 25 that have you know, been there for some really important movie moments yeah. in my film uh, brain. Well, it's just a name that will get me to the movie. Totally. Anytime. Yeah. No questions asked. You know, see it on the big screen, if at all possible. And luckily, we were able to do that with this one. Oh, man. Licorice Pizza. Licorice Pizza is, it's a vibes movie. I was trying to oh, figure yeah. this out earlier, how, how dumb it would be to go through and, and just talk about the plot of this movie, because it's just a, it's a vibes thing. You know, it's like how they say some books are unfilmable. This movie is unbookable. Unbookable. Like you wouldn't be able to read the book <laughs> right? of Licorice Pizza. Yeah, this wouldn't read. You have to just watch and indulge and immerse yourself in 1973 San Fernando Valley. Oh, yeah. And these high school aged and 20 something aged characters <laughs> yeah. just hanging out, living life. There's and a lot of, we get a lot of these fun. great kind of vibes movies. Yeah. You know, I really liked mid 90s. Sure. I never was, saw it, but yeah. It's great. And it's the same kind of thing. It's this kid. I'm a sucker for the phrase coming of age. Right. They connect with me. We all have, you know, these movies, the serious ones like Boyhood. You know? Yeah, a lot of Linklater has that yeah. vibes vibe. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He makes those movies that can age with you because they, they play, prey on our basest uh, human experience, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's easy to connect even if the experience isn't 100% the same. Mm-hmm. But this... The vibe of this movie, I was just into it. There's some movies, and I think Paul Thomas Anderson's movies, you can <laughs> pretty much hold them to this rule. You know like 10 minutes in if he's he's your kind of thing. Right. You know, I think 10 minutes in on There Will Be Blood, if this isn't your vibe, mm. it's not going to be your vibe. It's, it's not so going to be my your vibe, thing, though. you know? It's totally my vibe. Yeah. First 10 minutes of Boogie Nights, like you're going to know if this is your movie or if this is not your movie. It's it's a pretty I mean, easy geez, uh, smell that, test. The opening know? of the master when he's just on the ship. Yeah, Joaquin Phoenix just making snow, uh, sand uh, women, and and it's incredible drinking diesel fuel. It's like you're you're either with us or, or you're against us. <laughs> right. I had a coworker who uh, who was not into There Will Be Blood, and he was talking oh, about yeah. something in the very first scene, and it was just like, well, I mean. My my first. He's not lying to you about what your experience is going to be. My first exposure to Paul Thomas Anderson actually was my girlfriend when I was like twenty. 
her whole family and her went and saw Punch Drunk Love and walked out. <laughs> and they were telling me about how terrible this sure. movie was. Awful. Unwatchable. They they couldn't yeah. sit through it. Mm-hmm. They had Just to leave. Annoying, terrible, yeah. And I watched it fascinated. <laughs> Fascinated, yeah, man. In a, and I don't know if I like Punch Drunk Love, but I'm fascinated. Punch by Drunk it. Love would probably be towards the bottom of my Paul Thomas Anderson list. But it's and so yet I saw it in the theaters and loved the so experience. I had to break up with her. I- no, <laughs> it was over. I saw but yeah, so I, it's yeah, not yeah. anyone. It's not a lot of people's cup of tea. My first was right? uh, not only well, no, I I did take a girl on a date to see Magnolia. That did not last either. Sure, because they couldn't get past frogs raining. <laughs> they couldn't handle it. It broke them. Well, I don't understand the frogs. Yeah, I don't understand the fuck about the frogs. <laughs> I don't get it. All right, I don't know why don't we're know, watching all right? all this. Yeah. No, but uh, uh, show legend Carlos. Oh yeah, your my boy, boy Carlos. Uh, my introduction is so much of this great, great cinema. Uh, his mom bought a few 15, 16 year old kids tickets to see Boogie Nights. Oh damn. Me, Carlos, and my buddy Taylor. Wow. So we were well done. That was like our our movie. She she buys them no questions asked. Oh yeah. Not even not like we're even buying tickets to Shakespeare and Love or whatever. She doesn't else ask you no, what it's she about. She buys the tickets for us and hands them right over to us. Lovely woman, Martha. <laughs> Martha. She's a saint. She always sat next to my grandparents in church. Oh. Loved her. Great woman. God bless. So impossibly important to my history of film. Right. <laughs> Some woman just bought me tickets to see Boogie Nights That's when I great. was you know sixteen and. I loved it. Ever since I was then, right? On this You're hooked, guy, right? How can you not be? This guy made movies that way. I just always want to see, and I don't care what he makes them about because he makes me want to see them. I love the Phantom Thread, but mm. when my dad saw the Phantom Thread, I've probably I've said this probably a dozen times on the show, but it's my favorite. <laughs> it's my favorite movie joke, and I hate that I didn't think of it. But when my dad saw the Phantom Thread on a cruise, oh. That's where it you want to see it. played on a cruise ship. That's the idea. When he made Phantom Thread. <laughs> yes. He was that thinking was of experience. like Royal Caribbean's theater for 75-year-olds. Right. All watching and enjoying You just kind of walk in and out yeah, whenever you please. Yeah, the buffet is only every two hours on the hour. You need two hours to uh, fill at some point. Yeah, yeah. Good point. And that's when you go see the Phantom Thread. Or as my dad called it. The weird guy. <laughs> yeah, that kind of sums up PTA. My dad crushed that That's joke. Great. Impo- man, my I mean, dad is there a movie it. that he's made that doesn't have a weird guy in yeah. it? Yeah, he finds a lot of cool guys that are not cool. This is a mo- he makes so many great movies about guys. Just yeah. finds a new guy to make a movie Maybe, about. Uh, yeah, Licorice Pizza is is a wonderful story that includes a lot of guys. <laughs> he guys. knows what he finds a guy that you didn't know was a guy mm-hmm. and he shows you a what his life is like i didn't know there was a guy like the weird guy in phantom thread i didn't know there's a guy like either joaquin phoenix or philip seymour hoffman in the master right but Those i suddenly but i didn't know there was a guy like daniel plainview those don't seem like guys. They don't seem like lives that are possible to lead. Right? right? That's what it they is. They seem like impossible totally lives. Is. And they... It's like, yeah, the ma- sh- Joaquin Phoenix in The Masters is this drunk sailor who ends up in Scientology. <laughs> and yeah, like this yeah. This movie is a Adam perfect Sandler's example just like of that, a guy actually. in like import-export who has like crazy uncontrollable rage issues and doesn't... You know, it's like, these people are... These are weird guys. And 
they're not guys that you think of existing, and then you see a two and a half hour movie about these guys <laughs> existing. Yeah, right. And I'm always into it, so I was hooked. I was hooked. I didn't know anything about the the valley porn scene and the in Boogie Nights. Mm-hmm. I knew very little, believe it or not, at 15 about vintage pornography. <laughs> And I the, do believe and the coke era of the 80s porn industry. I mm-hmm. was very inexperienced at age 15. And <laughs> I would say so. And he just keeps making new dudes for me to get into. This is like his first movie about a woman. Mm. This is a girl. This is a gal. I know our Amy, main Amy Adams is incredible in The Master. Sure. And Daniel Day-Lewis's sister in Phantom Thread. There's been more and more powerful women coming into these movies. Even Julianne Moore in Boogie Nights. Mm-hmm. He does good women in movies, but... But they're not front and center in the right. movie. This is what... I love when we get a movie about a woman's or a man's story when they don't really got totally much going on. <laughs> like they're they're getting a whole long dedicated story of their life of like a three month period that might only be interesting to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I love it. Is that life though? That's I life, mean... baby. I love licorice pizza. Yeah, and this is a vibe when we and it's a vibe that I was just writing immediately when we get introduced to Gary and Alana, our main lovers. Our yeah, main little little cute whatever couple they are. Gary is such a great. Oh, it's movie such a guy. cute. Yeah. It's a cute. These two are cuties. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. love him, man. I love both Gary and Alana. When I found out Alana Haim was in this movie, I got so excited. I like Haim a lot, but I didn't really listen to their first two albums that much. They were they were fine. Right. Their third album was my favorite album of 2020. Oh, cool. Women in Music. It's so great. It's my favorite album of the year. And so then I you know went all down the Haim rabbit hole, and Alana is like the third most featured member in the band with her and her three sisters. Right. She's not the big star. (laughs) She's not the, Danielle's the front woman. You know, she's like the youngest and the tiniest. And she's done, you know, she's the backup in all these Mm -hmm. videos and everything. She's the kid. She's the kid. Yeah. And it's this great debut performance where she's basically a 25 year old kid. Yes. She's this immature 25-year-old who connects with a 15-year-old and his dumb friends. Well, but he's a he's a very mature 15-year-old. This a, guy's a go-getter. Gary Valentine. When you talk about guys I didn't know existed. <laughs> yeah. This is a real boy apparently, Gary Getzman, who's this Oh, okay. super successful Hollywood producer who's done a ton of stuff with Hanks. Oh, love that. Like Band of Brothers and all the Tom Hanks produced stuff is him and Gary Getzman. Did like my big fat Greek wedding. This guy makes monies on for Hollywood. That that tracks. And these this movie was supposedly based on a bunch of stories that huh. Getzman told Paul Thomas Anderson about growing up in, you know, the valley. This is just his. This That's is a perfect guy, man. That is a perfect way to encapsulate this movie. A bunch of stories about <laughs> growing up in the valley. Yeah, because this movie it lacks plot, but it has. About nine great vignettes. Right. Great stories that get told. Totally. Characters show up that you aren't going to see. Yeah. Any, you get their snapshot of what they were doing that evening. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's almost, like I said, it, it wouldn't read as a book because there is no like big arching <laughs> thing. You'd have to get really into verbally the thread of Gary and Alana. And I yeah. like the ways the movies just presented us with a visual thread. Yeah. Without needing a lot of supposition and uh, keeping them separate a lot. 
It wasn't just them falling for each other. It was them trying to strike out and do their own thing. And I don't know if that would read as well. You'd have to be, it could, Mm -hmm. but you'd have to be really good about presenting some really complicated to explain visuals. Visuals that you don't aren't totally sure why they're affecting you stronger than they are. And when I look back at my favorite movies this year, which are like Pig, Titan, uh, this one, they all affected me in emotional ways that I wasn't expecting going yes. into them. Yeah, yeah. When I find myself watching certain scenes of Titan, like like you said, watching a bunch of firemen dance around, <laughs> and it's emotional. And you're like, why am I breathing harder yeah. right now? What is happening to me? What is going on in the theater? Well, yeah, this movie has this great way of uh, being really low stakes. Yeah. It's not life and death stuff. It's young love. Yeah. But it's never like desperate or over no. the top Romeo and Juliet style. But also the movie is kind of about, you know, everything, which is it's what Paul Thomas yeah. Anderson, I think, really <laughs> does well. It's about all that stuff in life that's hard to articulate. Yeah. It's about what it feels like when the person you love doesn't love you, but then maybe they love you later and you don't <laughs> love them and you can't connect. Human relationships for something we all go through can, yeah. be, can be tough and then really beautiful to convey on film. And also, this is one of the funnier Paul Thomas Anderson yes. movies. It, it it feels light, even though it's got this you know romantic... Heavy I mean, plot of people trying a, to figure out what they're doing with their life. There's always laughter in Paul Thomas. And even there's yeah. even funny scenes in The Master, even. Unexpected laughs. There's unexpected little laughs in Phantom Thread. But a lot of these movies are, are sad. This is a lot they're of heaviness. They're about sad characters yeah. and heavy characters. And this is the first one that was really, this is really uplifting and builds to like a happy ending <laughs> all yeah. throughout. You know, it's really happy and... I just and it never like, really gets dark though. No, like it never no, goes. Not really, yeah. It never goes in like a bad place for either one of these characters. Gary is a 15 year old hustler, yeah, child actor who owns his own business and starts about nine businesses throughout the course of this movie. He's referred to as a hustler a lot in the movie, but he is a sincere guy, which is exactly. really important. Yeah, he's yeah, not yeah. A, a con. Not even like a funny 15-year-old con selling like marked up concert tickets or something. 100%. Yeah. He's, he's a an, sincere guy. He's a go-getter. He actually delivers on what he is, you know, selling. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and there's a there's a whole thing in this movie that I really picked up on watching it of a generational divide. Yeah. The older generation in this movie, any guy over like 30 is like an asshole in this <laughs> Just movie. Just a square asshole, right? Or, you know, it's like even in the opening scene, Alana works for a photo company taking yeah. yearbook photos. Yeah. And Gary is this smooth-talking, charming guy <laughs> who invites her out to dinner at like a restaurant, says, I'm always there. This is my spot. <laughs> my spot. What, sh- what sounds in the first scene to me to be total bullshit. Yeah, right? Is actually legit. Yeah. And then anytime we're presented with anyone older, they're slapping her on the ass or they're just being a drunk or so like there's this great like the older generation being full of shit Mm -hmm. and then the younger generation really being genuine and getting after it and that sincerity and going for it. And and Gary tells her to meet him at this bar, you know, tells Alana to meet him at the bar and he's at the bar and she is like shocked. That he's actually at the bar, you know? It's this great opening 10 minutes of two people who 
shouldn't be talking to each other. <laughs> Under Basically, no circumstance. Do you know should how not f- be going out on a dinner. Do you know how few, when I was 15 years old, do you know how few 25-year-olds that I talked to that weren't directly related to me? Right. Oh, I yeah. was not going up and striking up conversation. Unless I rode the and experienced the horrors of the bus. Yeah, yeah. The bus is where all the weird people <laughs> talk to you. That's when you met the bus people. The bus is the growing up experience that we all have. Yeah. You know, Paul Thomas Anderson understands bus experience when you're like 13. You're like, I probably shouldn't have gone to the transit mall alone. Right. Well, I got <laughs> I got to imagine if you're working for a company that takes high school yearbook photos, number 1 on the rule book, don't, don't date engage the with students. these kids, right? <laughs> don't don't engage beyond asking these kids if they need a mirror or a comb. Yeah, exactly. But when when we talked about you know, Gary being a con, little con artist, when they refer to him as a con artist, they also like smile while they call him a con artist because <laughs> he's a charmer. He is adorable. He refers to himself as a, a song and dance man, which is like kind of a nice way of conning people. <laughs> You're a song and dance man. But he actually he's shows up. He's a guy that also shows up and actually is at the bar. And but their dialogue is so perfect. I was so immediately charmed by both of them and just the way they talk to each other. Oh, yeah. she. This is her debut movie. She shouldn't be this great at delivering natural dialogue. It's the perfect storm of a person who's not technically an actress, but she can talk. And so much of it just seems like them filming talking. But you know this is heavily scripted. The deliveries are just that good. Well, it's it's this For guy's two debut. debuts, yeah. right? This is Cooper Hoffman. Okay, so we got to talk how, about this. Here's a how bit. dumb I am about movies. I didn't know until the end of the first time watching it that it was Philip Seymour Hoffman's kid. Ah, uh, yes. I was picking up on this presence throughout the movie, right? This thing that I didn't know what I was thinking of, and the credits hit, and then I have this like, of course. Mm. Like, what was? How did I not? I, I didn't know his kid was in it. I, I didn't know his kid was the lead. I don't think I knew he had a kid. Yeah, right. Like, no, I, I remember seeing cute pictures of like you know him as a ten year old at you know Knicks games. Okay, with his dad, great schlubby out on the town. I I always like seeing pics of Sandler and like and like Phil. I yeah, guess I yeah. like seeing now that I think about it, I like seeing all Paul Thomas Anderson guys when they're out on the town. Yes, because then it's it's always just like you are just a guy, aren't you? Sandler always has like double XL basketball shorts down. John to his C. Riley out anytime. Yeah, yeah. And he Philip was. Seymour Hoffman was very much a Paul Thomas Anderson guy. He's a great guy around town. He always had a shabby muzzle. Yeah, just a shabby beard and wearing like a he looked like a sloppy bleacher bum, <laughs> wearing just like a sport coat with patches on the elbows, but an untucked, muscled, like ruffled shirt, like a pink wrinkled shirt. <laughs> Yeah, he was great. He was great, but he—that was also a name that would get me to the theater. Oh if, yeah, if Philip Seymour Hoffman was in a movie, I was gonna go see it. Yeah, and uh, man, I—it's I, like the biggest loss. Him, to yeah, act. I, I know that one. We could have been right? seeing twenty-five more years of Hoffman. We we got deprived of of him as an old guy. I know him getting John Huston kind of roles. That's sad, man. That hit his hit me harder than most because of what we didn't get. Because what we yeah. got is. <laughs> It's incredible. It's incredible stuff. And so, yeah. and seeing and a great, Cooper Hoffman just fearlessly step into this spotlight and take over, and and he does, yeah. This is a movie about Alana, yeah. But he is his own presence. It's a great presence, and I uh, really loved anytime he was on screen. So and he I've was seen perfect. this movie a couple times now, and I'm gonna see it again and probably again. 
has that kind of once upon a time in Hollywood feeling. I think I just really like mm. the late sixties, early seventies uh, Valley. I gotta on say, film, man, this to me almost felt like a counter argument to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Whereas Tarantino revisits that era and he's focused on the young people as hippies and murderers. Well, and... he has that divide too. Rick Dalton hated fucking hippies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but this is that. This is post hippie. I think this is Paul Thomas Anderson kind of going like, "Now the kids are all right," you know, yeah. for lack of a better phrase. Like yeah. the yeah, this it had that feel of like the opposite effect where we love the old people taking charge in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, and this one, it's like I want to see the young people take it away people get their chance, from right. You know, and, and I think Paul Thomas Anderson rightly employs guys like Sean Penn to be unlikable. Oh yeah, <laughs> for lack of a better like, <laughs> I said that twice now in the last minute. But Sean Penn, I don't like him as a person. Oh yeah, and so he's perfect in he's the role as, a total as an old, old asshole unlikable Hollywood. asshole drunk. Well, that's so. I'm watching this movie a couple times now. I loved it both times, and watching it the first time, I'm reacting to Gary the same way everybody else reacts to Gary, where they're laughing at first, just like, "Who the fuck is this kid? This cocky asshole! This cocky asshole! Oh god, yeah, cocky asshole! Yeah, and he is, and and they love him for it. Cockiest asshole! He's a shit. Yeah, everybody loves it though. Everybody loves his shit. They can't stand him, but he just keeps smiling his way through. And the first time, I'm just like. Is how much is this kid bluffing? How much is he exactly? And the second time through, I'm watching it, knowing he's Philip Seymour Hoffman's kid, knowing why I was just connecting with this kid's realness. Mm. And then it's like enjoying this guy in a whole new way. Two debut, two debut performances here that are like just about my favorite two performances of the year. That's amazing. That's magic. Yeah, Co- and Cooper Hoffman is hilarious in this movie. Alana <laughs> is hilarious. Like, Alana is so funny. She has so many great, her early disgusted faces at him. Just oh, when, yeah. She would just have this sneer occasionally to something he says where she has this kind of immediate kind of, she's such a brat sometimes. They, they even have the like, he's he's breathing loud and she's like, don't stop it. Dude, stop breathing. <laughs> when they meet on great... photo day. And he's doing her the whole spiel, and she's not fallen for it, but I guess she's fallen deeply for it. Mm-hmm. About how like he's naming his film resume, his commercials he's peered in, his Merv Griffin appearance. And we just know it was some kid in high school. Yeah. yeah, this is a bullshitter. And you know, I think all kids we bullshit uh, old adults. Uh, we all go through that phase, and we're all probably pretty bad at it. You're Except pretty cocky when you're 15. Yeah, you know, but like, uh, I think kids always think they're getting away with shit when they're, uh, you know, toddlers are famous for thinking they're being sly. When right. it's like, turns out you're just a dumb baby. Yeah. <laughs> you can't fool me, you dumb baby. I'm smarter than you. You weren't in a movie, baby. But kids, all we have like a good 20 year long or more period of thinking we're, we're smarter than we really are. Some people never grow out of that. Mm. And <laughs> mm. Don't I know it? This kid is just charming a 25-year-old, and no part of it seems implausible, while every part of it seems implausible and like something you've never seen a kid do. Right. But you're not watching it going like, what What am I watching here? What am we, You're just vibing. Like you I'm said. just into the... Yeah. You're just watching it. You're enjoying the bright sunlight of the San Fernando Valley. <laughs> Everything's kind of bleached out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's kind of brown. He kind of biffs his school photo. He's an <laughs> actor totally. and he kind of eats it. The Her face shifts are just endlessly charming to me. I find myself just sitting there. It's one of these movies where I'm happy that I'm wearing a mask 
in the theater because I'm I'm probably making a dumb like smiling yeah face under there and mean. it's like oh, I'm glad Charlie can't look over and see this dumb face I'm looking while she <laughs> while she sneers at him for getting her phone number wrong right you know she, just their dialogue and their interchange felt like like you said man it's a meat cute I fell for it I fell for this uh, problematic relationship that it no, that is always acknowledged as problematic and yet always feels like. But if, it feels innocent in this movie. They, it is, yeah, right? Even though she's supposed to be 25 and he's 15, it's never really a sexual thing. Yeah, that, but I'm also a dumb. But they are in love, man, right? I'm it's, a sucker. It's a, if yeah. it's presented in a movie in a way, I'm dumb. I'm like rooting for Gary Ol- or like Jean Renault and Natalie Portman to get together in The Professional. Oh, I was not. Like, I'm that. an idiot. <laughs> I'm a dummy for this kind of shit. If people are like connecting in a way, I'm immediately like, I want them to have babies. Well, Woody like, Allen you know, made like, a career on that. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, I guess no. we're not like modeling our. <laughs> yeah, just look how many guys can do it. Polanski, Woody Allen, it's a normal dudes thing. No, but it's a it's a thing that could have been a lot more shocking. But she's an immature twenty five year old, and he's a very mature. He's 15-year-old. an impossibly he, mature. He's a 15. kid who wants to be an adult. She's an adult who wants to be a kid. You know, it's, it's this very kind of. And again, it's this great crossroads they, of a relationship. We don't have to see them do anything life. too serious. They just are friends. They, she makes it clear, I'm not your girlfriend. Yeah. I can't be your girlfriend. It's this We're great gonna way be of friends. taking what... And they're great friends. But also, he has a huge crush on her, loves her. And yeah, if you've ever had a friend that you loved and... Oh, yeah. Didn't, couldn't, couldn't go in the next step, you know, you, How many people, you ache. I mean, that's, that's a human thing that. right there yeah. is, uh, is somebody... Oh, man. Unrequited love is tough. It's something we all experience, right? Even the coolest people have been turned down or pined for somebody. But you Gary know? doesn't wallow in it. Gary, well, not Gary. all. Gary doesn't let it get away with his life's goals. Yeah, yeah. But to he wallows in his old ways. <laughs> this this go getter, this guy who's already talking up a girl ten years his his senior. That's nuts. What the balls on this kid? This kid. The balls on Getzman. But this is another movie. The way we talk about 70s movies and watching those movies where we watch a cop movie from the 70s and there's 10 different shades of, of balding. <laughs> you know, there's a guy who's just like, oh, he's got a still good head of hair, but if you catch it in a certain light, you can see through it in a way, all the way up to a guy who's just full sweaty comb over. Mm-hmm. Bad, you, you get this realism. And we, you know, I kind of hate some of that realism and those kind of character actor roles. And so... I'm another. I'm a sucker for a movie where people have messed up teeth or imperfect skin. Give me, give me Gary's zits. Give me a lot of tooth that causes her mouth to kind of whistle on certain words. Or I her, love ve- it. her very Jewish nose. Her very that they bring Jewish up. nose. <laughs> There's lo- some weird racial stuff in this movie, and that's <laughs> that's uh, that the scene okay. early on where they have a very. Uh, Twitter got very angry about this scene with oh. with uh, the Asian woman. Oh, with the and the Higgins? bad, yeah, and the, the bad kind of Asian stereotyping language. And that's kind of where I got this thing like they're you know it's not a young person, it's not Gary making fun of Asian people. It's this older generation who who doesn't even know not to do that. Yeah, and there's just such this kind of all these old people are such blockheads in this movie. And Gary is the one who's like figuring it out, starting businesses, picking up on fads. He he specifically starts a waterbed and then a pinball yeah. emporium business. He those were pulse. Th- those Finger were like new things that he's picking up on and he's banking on and betting on the <coughs> the future. Not, not only is he betting on himself as a song and dance man, I, I like this transition where you know we're showing 
they're both transitioning into a different adult phase of their life where Gary's starting to age out of his child actor mm-hmm. roles. But that first scene where he's asking her out on a date, he's asking this 25-year-old out to dinner, and the way she handles, like, I'm not going to go to dinner with you. You're 15 years old. Which is like, yeah, of course. But why is this conversation Why still is she going? still talking to him? Why, yeah. you, why have you not moved on to these other kids at this point? So I'm already into their dynamic. And yeah. when... It's kind of a silly, stupid, problematic, but ended up being so enjoyable premise of a movie of what if a 15-year-old asked out a 25-year-old and she thought he was bluffing and called the bluff. But then she was hooked. It's such an unexpected turn of events for a real thing. And yet this all feels too real. Hmm. It's not anything like any connection I've ever had with a person. <laughs> Never followed for somebody 10 years my junior yet. Although I'm getting to the age where it's more acceptable, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's not as bad as if I was 22. I get older, they stay tougher. the same age. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So I guess it's getting there where it would be okay, but uh, when she, it's they're like a couple of, I have no idea what Gary is doing in this bar. She shows up and Gary's like sitting at a bar. That's where he goes lo- for Looking dinner. like just a kid, like a kid sitting at a bar. It's like Robert Forster. He's got his place yeah, he's got at his the bar. Spot. He's got he his, his spot. Thursday night he, spot. He Later on, he goes to the bar and he knows what table he wants. Like, I don't know the table he numbers the at table. my place. He knows he wants 38. <laughs> he wants direct sight lines on yeah. what Alana's up to. Gary, and they give it to him. <laughs> he's When he gives his little pitch to her about how he also he's not only a child actor, but he has his own little PR company that his mom... <laughs> it's like he and his, his mom... His parents work it. for him. Yeah. that's the Alana is great, great at interjecting into these... This movie has a lot of this dreamy old Hollywood quality. There's a thing. There's a magic to old Hollywood. You and I have walked around old Hollywood neighborhoods and stuff. There's something there. There's a charm. Mm-hmm. I love the look. I love the feel. I love how it shows up on film. And Alana's this kind of naive, cut-the-shit presence... That they keep trying to like romanticize or talk about these uh, big events that happened throughout this three month summer of what early seventies, like seventy three, yeah. And a lot of this is the whenever one whenever the gas crisis was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> whenever the Saudi Arabian oil embargo happened, <laughs> you know. Uh, but Alana is this great naive presence who doesn't care if she doesn't understand anything. Hmm. She's the first one that's going to cut in and say like, "What's going on?" Like, what, what are we doing right now? I don't understand. She's also the first one to tell someone to fuck off. She's such a... About a dozen times <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> she gets into it with so... It is one of those... It, I loved all of her interactions <laughs> with every person in this She's movie. She's fighting everybody. Her but, and her... All of the Hames are in it. Yeah, the yeah. It's filled with Hames. Even mom and dad Hame. All the, the mom and dad, realize. all her sisters, all Hame is in it. I don't That's know cool. if the drummer shows up. But... You're watching it, and the acting is so right for non-actors. I had read that Paul Thomas Anderson, they'd cast or were auditioning a bunch of people for Gary. Mm-hmm. Gary's a, both of these roles very tough to cast. And all the kids were awful because they were like pra- trained uh, 15-year-old actor kids. You know, clean, white, super straight, weird teeth. Just right. too professional. All looking like Finn Wolfhard. <laughs> <laughs> You know, too slick, too 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 jawliney. Yeah, I know, I know what Finn you Wolfhard's mean. Wolfhard's like the weirdest looking kid. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, that's what all the fifteen year olds are now. Yeah, they're all shaggy haired goofuses. Yeah, they're uh, all Timothy Chalamet, Finn Wolfhard. 
<laughs> skinny dupes. <laughs> and uh, that he, so Cooper Hoffman, it's, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman probably collaborated with Thomas Anderson more than anybody else, right? Has to be. I didn't look my numbers up, but they have to be, be the up most. There. I bet maybe John C. Riley might be the only maybe. one to top yeah, yeah, yeah. him. Yeah. He's, Who right, makes a cameo. A little cameo. And, as as uh, a Herman Munster. And so it really feels like if you know that information that this movie was written for Cooper Hoffman. Yeah. I And he was not even the first... Con- you know, this was not. That's interesting. It was yeah. more of a, no, 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 these professional actors aren't working. I need something raw. Because I would have sworn it was like a, yeah, a purposeful thing to have... How can you make... Yeah. Cooper Hoffman sell mattresses <laughs> in a Paul Thomas Anderson movie <laughs> where Philip Seymour Hoffman was Mattress Man in Punch Drunk Love. <laughs> You know, I was like, as I was watching this, I was like, are we getting the the <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson verse? A mattress, is mattress it, man origin is, is everything going to connect? Is everything starting to connect? So yeah. in a year that gave us uh, James Gandolfini's son playing young Gandolfini, I know. are we getting young mattress man? That's what I'm wondering. The timeline matches up. That's dumb. No, I, I guess no. not. If if he wasn't, if he if yeah, exactly. If it wasn't written for him or whatever, I guess it's not. But I was like, if if but anyone's that's name just, in this movie, who knows? Maybe point. that's just something he's saying to keep up mystique. I was or maybe just I'm so dumb like, because uh, it was obviously written about. Right, I was waiting for like a plain view to show up and be like, there's there, there it is. Yeah, yeah. L. A. has got this place where I, since my family grew up down there, and I have a bunch of family there, so we made frequent trips there as a kid. You know, I got. To experience uh, without ever living there, you know, I at least was familiar with the greater Southern California mm-hmm. area and seeing these places that were old landmarks, uh, you know, like the Great Bar and Jackie Brown, all the stuff that doesn't exist past the early 2000s. Right. It's all been replaced by condos. Mm-hmm. And you get the tail of the cock yeah. <laughs> in this one, which is apparently one of those famous Had Encino be. bars. Legendary. Yeah. Next to a golf course. I love, yeah, I love there's people like Tarantino and Paul Thomas Anderson who just miss bars mm-hmm. from from the Hollywood areas that they grew up in. Right. The big cushiony yeah, booths. Man. Yeah. But Gary just owning a, like, like look at, walking around like he's co-owner of a bar. You know, he knows the bartender by name, just ordering a couple of Cokes. Oh, yeah. For him and a la- his lady and her disgust and her disbelief at the fact that she is now meeting a 15-year-old at a bar. Yeah. Oh, she can't tell anyone about this. It's an incredible scene. Yeah. The way she is telling him to stop being a creep and telling him to stop breathing. Because <laughs> he is just sitting there kind of uh, breathlessly he, un- in disbelief. I think, yeah, exactly. He can't believe that she actually showed up. So he is just like, yeah, he's having a little panic attack almost. We get great moments of them... Showing that Gary's not a total cool cucumber who knows all the answers. We see him uh, panicking or not knowing how to talk his way out of situations. We see him privately happen a lot, too. Mm -hmm. In public, he's a showman. But they're good about grounding this kid. Not making him a total, like, cocky asshole (laughs) who somehow skates out of every situation, right? Right, right. He, he gets jealous. He gets, uh, yeah. As intrigued. He gets petty. For reasons she can't understand. Why she's so intrigued immediately by Gary? He is a he knows immediately why he is suddenly infatuated with her, and he's the one that is most brazen about this infatuation. Well, he tells his little brother he's going to marry her. Yeah, right. Essentially. Oh man! I'm, so once that happens, I'm just like I'm a sucker for that shit. I want to see it. I love it, and I couldn't I couldn't stop being charmed by both of them. Mm-hmm. And the movie does such a good job of 
separating them, bringing them back together, yeah, send them off in their own directions. And we have years of our life where that is a thing, where we keep coming back into contact with people who we kind of surprisingly meet up with and hadn't thought about in eight months or longer, mm-hmm. two years, you know? And this movie does a good job of, uh, I'm not sure how much time passes in the movie. Three months? Three years? I know. I couldn't figure out if this, this <laughs> was supposed care. to be one summer. Is this summer? just a summer? Feels like a summer. this is a busy a summer. packed summer, man. For Gary. And that's kind of the thing. Especially. One of the, some of these movies, like Boyhood, that aren't about any particular notable events. They're like two-week snippets, you mm-hmm. know, filmed in 10-minute sections. But there's something about some of those nights when you're 15 years old and you're out with friends and you're doing something stupid. Not even criminal. You yeah. know, maybe just goofing around in a car, you know, and some of those things that you aren't going to be able to describe as funny or you're never going to capture the moment <laughs> when you're retelling it. You know, it's just something you were there for. And yet somehow he's great at just making these moments that you had to be there for. You know, we're yeah. here for him. And they're, it's a busy summer. I think it's a summer because I think at the end he's still like a 15 going on 16-year-old. Okay. I don't think she's a 28-year-old now. Who runs his own pinball arcade. He runs, uh, well, once <laughs> once your waterbed business goes belly up due to the Saudi oil embargo, you pivot to pinball. You know it. That's what, that's what an entrepreneurial 15-year-old. And, man, I think I like these movies so much because it really, uh, <laughs> you get some of that post Reagan capitalism in a movie like they live where, mm. where Nada's like, I believe in America. But then you see a movie that's set in 1968 to 1971, Los Angeles. And a 15 year old can just rent storefront property at the drop of a hat. When he gets the idea to sell inflated balloons as yeah. beds. And then when the oil embargo happens, you go, Oh, well, nevertheless, I'm going to pivot over to pinballs. I love when, yeah, Gary finds this waterbed grooves on it digs on it you get sold a waterbed by leonardo dicaprio's dad i read that yeah (laughs) that's pretty great that's a cameo i guess awesome and then yeah he's able to just start his own business and a bunch of people show up opening day to buy a mattress from his little brother selling them like it's just a bunch of kids working this waterbed (laughs) store and people are like, oh, yeah, tell me about it. Sell me a bed, kid. Uh, they're, it's uh, they're it's playing a, music at night, and it's kind of turns into this just it's a real nice, party. Uh, it's very dazed and confused, just like people hanging out. It's a vibe. I love it. It's Yeah, I mean, if I started my own waterbed company right now and immediately went under due to an oil embargo, I'd be out like 400 grand. Yeah. My life would be over. I would owe money to all the wrong people. My life would become a living hell. You would have, you would be, yeah, you'd be like, I was paying $3,500 a month just to rent the storefront. Yeah. You know, this right? and that. Not a 15 year old kid renting a place to just hang out with all his acting buddies. But I love these moments of Gary aging out of his child acting. You know, a lot of childhood actors don't make it out of childhood acting. Right. Oh, it's, yeah. it's a thing. And, uh, yeah, I looked it up. Gary Getzman was a little kid acting on some TV shows. Did a movie with Lucille Ball, which we get. Uh, I was gonna say that was that all under one roof. Uh, yeah, was that the real movie was called Yours, Mine, and Ours. It was like ah. the Brady Bunch. I think they based the Brady Bunch off it. Yours, oh, cool. Mine, Ours, combined family kind of thing. So in the right, movie, right. this movie does this weird thing where they use half real names and then half likenesses with half the same names. So they have Lucy Doolittle, right? And her movie Under One Roof. So <laughs> it's like it's like doing the uh, 
Like, yeah, did, yeah, did they not get the rights? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they, they list real names sometimes, but then they have Jack Holden. Like, exactly. Did, did the William Holden state not uh, not approve of this? Maybe not. I mean, I don't know. The craziest Jack dude Holden's in the movie is John guy. Peters, and John Peters is a real dude. <laughs> that... He's a raving asshole in this movie, and John Peters is like, I guess he's probably one of those Robert Evans kind of 70s producers. He's like, I did all of that. Put all of it on film. Exactly. As long as I'm wearing nothing but white. This movie is filled with is characters. That, is that your favorite segment in the movie? Oh, man. The John Peters you know, bit? So, I guess an impressive thing about the movie that I hadn't thought of before now is it is kind of just a series of segments. But my brain's always just... It's such a fluid movie. Yeah. It's such a perfect woven together piece, even when you're not sure how much time has passed within a few scenes, if it's a day, if it's a month. Who knows? Mm-hmm. It's in L.A. It's unlike we're going to go through seasonal change. Exactly. Yeah, you don't indicate see a cloud anything, right? ever in this movie. You see yeah. a smog day now and again, but uh, those right. are happening anytime. And so it's weird to, I, I, for a movie that's so just a bunch of kind of unrelated sequences in a lot of ways, my brain kind of hasn't been thinking about them as sequences. My favorites, if I'm stepping back, I love Alana auditioning with an agent for the first time mm-hmm. when Gary tells her to say anything. Say yes to everything, yeah. Say yes to everything they ask, and it gets her down a rabbit hole of saying yes to a ton of things. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I, I do love the John Peters stuff. The yeah. Bradley Cooper thing was such a distracting arc, but I was laughing my ass off through the, just the way Bradley Cooper walked up a hill. Oh, yeah. Bradley Cooper had some great movie walks. As this just totally coked out, over-aggressive, hyper-horny, yeah, all dressed in white, kind of yeah. like post-Beatles looking he looks like He looks like so many dudes had that look in the 70s. It was cocaine. Yeah. The cocaine oh, yeah. made you wear like loose white clothing and just grow out your beard and As eyebrows. As if you're like a cult leader. Yeah, man. Everybody looked like Scorsese on coke. Yeah. You know, that... It, and I thought this was James Brolin. I bet James Brolin Coke era was great. <laughs> you imagine Coke right. era, early 70s Brolin? Did you, did uh, Peters date Barbra Streisand in yeah, real Peter, life? Yeah, Must yeah, have, right? yeah. Peters uh, produced A Star is Born. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The big uh, Barbra Streisand. Wait, which then... Cooper directed the remake. Yeah, man. The Paul Thomas Anderson universe even extends. This is the dumbest, no, I don't know. but yeah. And uh, <laughs> that's what I do. Yeah, man. John Peters made a lot of money producing movies like Caddyshack and that's awesome. stuff like that. But I think oh, it's great. I don't know if the chicken egg scenario, if he was like a guy who who hooked up with Barbara and then's like, I'm gonna use her to push this movie with her as the star. She won't turn it down. Or I don't know if they met right, right. because of it. I don't know the chicken and the egg, but this guy was just one of those famous asshole Hollywood producers like Robert Evans. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a different just life. Way man. too intense, way too cocky. Yeah, he, that that's the one sequence to me that felt like it had any kind of stakes. <laughs> Where like Peter, like they they go to install a waterbed in John Peter's home, of course, and he's just the, a bunch of children showing up to in a, a big ass truck. Just driving a Unloading truck a waterbed frame. Alana starts hanging out with Gary and all his acting friends. Yeah. We get those we get all the great acting scenes of all his acting friends appearing on uh what, some under one roof promotional jag. Right. Dude, once we get into we get like I said, this is all segments of people we never hear from again and we know it's just a different phase, moved on from his life. Gary's aging out of the child acting anyway. Yeah. He's the second oldest looking kid there, at least. But I always thought they were going to get away with it. 
you know they he you know Gary gets away with pissing off Lucille Ball at the uh, New York show mm. by by doing the three beavers joke three and, beavers and uh, hitting her in the head with the pillow. <laughs> yeah. You know they're gonna get away with it when yeah Sean Penn is riding a motorcycle <laughs> on the eighth green with Tom Waits directing. Yeah. Like like it felt like yeah yeah this will be fine right when John Peters tells him he's gonna kill his whole family <laughs> if he fucks up his house. I was like. That might happen in this movie. John Peters was... Dude, the John Peters. It was We'll, we'll jump back to the other scenes because yeah. the John <laughs> Peters shit is so great. How awesome is and it? And then he makes the decision to fuck up his house. Yeah, so Bradley <laughs> Cooper is one of those actor studios guys, right? Right, right. He's He wants to learn method stuff. He gets deep in it, right? I guess he met with John Peters. And then he and Paul Thomas Anderson decided separately to just like, we're going to do our own insane asshole thing with this guy. And Peter's like, he had like the least amount of caveats. Like, "Uh, just don't make me appear doing blank. Uh Like the rest of this he signed off on. He's Why this not? is a man who's holding a gas nozzle to a dude's face with like a lit match in front of it and being like, "This is my nozzle, motherfucker." <laughs> <laughs> and, yep. and the guy's like, "1971 uh, Sherman Oaks." It was crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. I mean, John no, Peters. Yeah, man. What? John fucking Peters. Bradley Cooper gets to do about seven different incredible walks. Yeah. The kind of acts, the walks you would kill to do once. In a movie, when Bradley Cooper, what? Well, first you live in the Hollywood Hills, man. You're up Ciela Drive, and suddenly a van full of ten-year-olds shows up in front of your your house, unloading gear. I love his assistant talking on the phone with Barbara. Yeah. About like, yeah, I don't know. There's like a bunch of children and one girl who's <laughs> older. I don't know the vibe here. That's a great thing. I don't know the vibe here at John Peter's place. And once Bradley Cooper's talking to Gary about his. The size of his dick hole? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, we're through the looking glass, it's man. So, it's such a great back and forth. And that's where you're just going like, man, Coop, yeah, Cooper Hoffman just toe-to-toe with Cooper, Bradley Cooper on this one. So Cooper versus Cooper. Cooper, Cooper man. I, it was great. It, yeah, Bradley Cooper just, you're such a cocky little asshole. You're cocky little asshole. And he is. Yeah. Gary's you're- such a chicken shit, but he's also such a cocky asshole. And I was, I had a similar vibe growing up. Because I was the uh, the nerdy kid who also played sports. Mm. So I was usually the nerdiest player on a sports team. So I also did the did the jokes. Yeah, yeah. I had some jokes. <laughs> and uh, you get away with saying cocky stuff to guys that on the team that could easily beat you up. Right. But you're also, like, on the they team. Appreciate so they can't totally. So, balls. yeah, right? <laughs> so there's that line that you can walk a bit. And so I know this line that Gary's walking. He is being a little shit. Mm-hmm. He's being a little shit to John Peters. And, but it's also, so on the second time I watched it, I was also picking up on this vibe that you talked about this too mature 15-year-old. Peters is a con man. Peters is putting up the most phony bravado you've seen on film, right? Right, right. And he's, like, intimidated by this 15-year-old who seems like the real shit. Mm. But it's impossible that he's the real shit because he's 15, He's got zits. He's got a dumb haircut. Right, right. He's pudgy. How could this kid be such a fucking cocky? Why am I suddenly going toe-to-toe? Again, just like Alana offering his comb, why am I still talking to this kid? Mm-hmm. So many adults just give Gary the time of day. That's true. And it's like before they can realize they've been like, he's wormed in. He's in there. It's great. 
and you get it. But John Peters, man. Yeah. When they set up a waterbed. Yeah, they intentionally fuck it up because they fuck it up because he because says he you, says he's gonna kill his brother and, and if yeah, he fucks it up, I'll and you kill get, your entire family. And you get Gary just has that moment of just like fuck this guy, and they're just gonna kill Greg just when they think they're gonna get away with it. Peters comes storming up the hill Dude, like Lou Ferrigno when Alana's driving the truck down this hill, <laughs> and. The reason they stopped the truck. This is such a great... This is like a Fast Times, a Ridgemont High kind of scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, where they stopped the truck on the way back down the hill. Because the reason they John Peters is so pissed at them is because of the oil embargo. They ran out of gas on the way over. I'm such a sucker for L.A. in this era where a two-mile line of cars lined up at a gas station. I'm just like, man, L.A., huh? <laughs> Glad I was in LA. I'm just like getting a tear in my eye watching Gary run in the middle of traffic while Life on Mars plays, and I'm like, fucking cinema, oh right? Wish I was there. So much running in this movie. Paul Thomas Anderson can make like a <laughs> dude for a chubby kid. This guy runs around. There's a lot of running. I don't know the mileage exactly between Encino and the Sherm, but this kid <laughs> seems to run back and forth between Encino and Sherman Oaks like for f- several months. Yeah. This kid packing away too many steaks at tail of the cock? I think so. To put, he's not losing any of this weight. There is so much running, and I can't understand it, but I love it. It looks great this on film. This is a great movie about yeah. running. Every time, That's what I mean. That, Alana's a great runner. It's all these great scenes, these great looks. The the scene of them, yeah, like pulling down the hill. Eventually, Peters meets up with them. They have to go back to the house that they've just fucked up. Yeah. They're worried that Peters is going to fucking kill all of them. They get back down to the road. They let Peters go. They go back. They fuck his car up. Yeah. Then they run out of gas. <laughs> and I'm that, that was the point of the movie. I was just like, I don't know what is going to happen yeah, next. Man. And then Alana has to back the truck in neutral she down this the hill. all the way down. Like yeah. a total badass. I love that scene. It's a great 20-minute so That arc. whole sequence was, to me, perfect. Dude, one of the funniest scenes in the movie to me. A lot of them, it's Alana just reacting. People are telling her sister to fuck off. Oh yeah. But, <laughs> when they are they are stopping the car because they see John Peters storming back up the hill on foot because his Ferrari that he rubbed in their face was full of fucking gas. Yeah. And so he's not going to be late to take Barbara Streisand <laughs> to the movie. I could have watched Cooper and. And Cooper go back and forth oh, yeah. on the pronunciation of Barbara Streisand for another five. I minutes. bet I, there's got to be a cut where that's like t- just twenty minutes of yeah, that, man. right? <laughs> the Boogie Nights DVD is what was in the era of when DVDs had nineteen hours of special features Hell for yeah. every movie, and the Blu-ray DVD era is now like, well, the trailer's on here, exactly. So we're never going to get these. Surely, what must be seven to ten minutes of Cooper and Cooper. Talking about the pronunciation Streisand. of Streisand. 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 Uh, so apparently none of the kids knew who was playing John Peters until oh, funny. Bradley Cooper came strutting out of the house wearing oh, his, uh, basically a kimono. That's kimono awesome. in pants. Yeah, the yeah. The pants version of a kimono. They had no idea it was going to be Bradley Cooper with a full, I thought it was, I thought it was James Brolin. It was Roland. Yeah. She was dating dudes that looked like that for a good six-year period. She's got a type. 73 to 77. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she's got a type in that era. 
went from Elliot Gould to the Brolin John Peters <laughs> <laughs> looks. Yeah. And so, yeah, they didn't know it was Bradley Cooper. So imagine all of their faces as we see that great back shot of, of Cooper just strutting out of his house toward him. I loved him in this movie, man. Yeah. Because we get him for 20 minutes, 20 great minutes. But when they stop the car, because he's walking up the hill... That walk, man, I burst out laughing. Him in silhouette. <laughs> stop laughing. He it came is in. so funny. He's so funny. Just seeing him move and walk, seeing him walk through the gas station, psyching himself up, yeah, kicking his leg out, you know? He's Kramer, <laughs> homicidal Kramer, Cooper versus Cooper. And uh, <laughs> it's great, man. He threatens a dude with a lit... <laughs> Lit mad, lit lighter in a gas pump. That's like one of the craziest things I've ever seen a guy do. Mm. Throws his gas can at the dude's face. Oh yeah, <laughs> such a great move. Such a great twenty-minute choke of performance. It's so great. And, and the movie's just full of that. Like probably seven of those, like just Sean, chunks. Sean Penn, his scene, yeah, impossible to like guy. Hall yeah. of Fame of unlikable dudes. Right? <laughs> exactly. Hall of Fame. Like you could have put Baldwin in that scene. Just like Hall of Fame of just like fuck. Yeah. This guy. This guy. Been... But you get great Tom Waits action. You get so many Man, bits like that. Tom Waits is just a drunk. This romanticized idea. You saw. You read the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood novelization. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This idea that every bar in Encino out to Sherman Oaks at anywhere was just at any point filled with some random old Hollywood guy telling stories drunk off his ass on Brandy Alexander's. Mm-hmm. And Sean Penn, when Alana goes and casts, God, that scene with, <sighs> watching it back, either the John Peters stuff or Alana with the casting director. Mm. I don't know who that casting director is, but that's a classic seven minute Paul Thomas Anderson character. Oh, that yeah. woman was perfect. She gets the big close up. Her, she gets her the dragging cigarette. a cigarette. She, she gets, gets one of those the, great one line. <laughs> oh, yep. <laughs> She's on the phone just saying no three different ways, <laughs> she, having a conversation. You have no idea what's going on. It's such perfect. Such a great scene. She's so good. The way she's responding in shock to all of like, oh, bueno. Alana <laughs> speaks Portuguese and all these different. The conversation once Alana gleefully says she would do topless scenes. I uh, would be topless in a movie if I got the part. We're <laughs> trying to explain the uh, Israeli fighting Krav technique. Ma- oh my god, that's the that's the scene in the movie, man. When she tells the agent that she learns Krav Maga, and the woman like stubs out her butt, and with a tear in her eye, she's like, "You're a fighter. I know who you are. Mm-hmm. It's great. These people are. It's all conning. These people are all conning and all seeing what they want to see." And it's so good. It's Hollywood. But I, I, so I love that role. I love that agent. And when Alana's auditioning for a movie that was a real movie, again, it's like they're using slight different versions to tell a slightly true, partially fake Hollywood story, which I love. All the stuff with Sean Penn's characters, that bloated importance of him. He's telling old drunken stories at the bar, picking up on his 25 year old maybe co-star she doesn't even know if it's lines of dialogue from a movie or if he's just talking that's that's my, what i that's love. my actual favorite when line in the movie basically doing his like lines from like the battle of tonga or Dude, something sean penn drunk so off his funny. ass and at tail of the cock 
reciting lines from his movies as if they as if he actually served <laughs> yeah he's like talking about li- going through the shit but it was just filming a war movie you know in 54 right he didn't serve in korea but he's talking about these and when she just leans in and says is this line <laughs> is this like are we doing a thing right now <laughs> she doesn't understand the situation she's in and she maintains that innocence through the movie while also popping off at anybody who slightly wrongs her. Mm-hmm. She'll pl- she'll give a teenager a full shoulder block on a sprint and yell, fucking teenagers! Yeah. She is just fighting with everybody and is yet so naive about all these con men <laughs> around her. The worst person to get involved in Hollywood. I know. How many... Uh, how many conversations that tail the cock did actors like William Holden have with uh, how many twenty-five-year-old bring there? Yeah, not just co-stars, but well, I could see you in this role, exactly. kind of thing, you know. So I just love the. What did he say? He says something like, "Just don't ask me about Koala Lumpur." <laughs> <laughs> like he was there filming a movie. Is this real? Is this lines? <laughs> Are we doing a thing? It's the cutest. It's so great. It's really funny. And yeah, it's really those... It's the kind of movie that makes a fantastic trailer. Because you mm. just get Bradley Cooper like throwing an, throwing like a savat kick to the air at a gas station lit by halogen. Then you get to see a motorcycle jump. And then you get to see a, a Broadway show with 18 kids and teenagers. All, it's like a great movie that plays in two-second snippets, 20-minute yeah, yeah. snippets, a full two and a half hours. It just, the farther you expand back and zoom in, it just just vibes with me. I love it all. Yeah. It just. We haven't even talked about the mayor. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Councilman, and that's the real mayor. Councilman that's. Watts. I guess if he's a public figure, you're allowed to use his name. Uh, yeah, the closeted ma- future mayor. Benny of, uh, Safdie as right. the mayor One candidate. One of the Safdie brothers shows up in a part. He is a really good actor. He is. He's really good. The Safdies are. Oh, great. my God. I because I've not done any safties. I know. Well, I was no just, Thomas Anderson. What kind of podcast is this? We saw, what kind of saw, guy? I know. Who what are, kind of guys podcast here? is this? Uh, this isn't is every guy they got to knock out the Paul Thomas Anderson and the Safty brothers? Yeah, right. Who are we making this for? Well, you saw Good Time. <laughs> Did you see Good Time? I haven't seen Good Time. Oh man, Benny Safty plays Robert Pattinson's brother in Good Time, and he's like developmentally disabled in that movie. Okay. And he's so fucking believable in that yeah. role. And he's so believable in this role. It's this it, movie, it blew me away. This movie is so good at casting the serious actors in the scenes that need to be serious and casting the like, is this lines yeah. kind of actors in this, you know, like the movie needed a little bit of that levity from Bradley Cooper kicking at the air. Oh, for sure. Or something. And <laughs> like you said, it's all low stakes, but the tonal shifts and the different experiences and when we get into the realism of the Joel Wax stuff. Yeah, that's his name. That yeah. was a, uh, yeah, that's Alana. Try- the scene, you know, Alana's trying to grow up. There exactly. is a big, there is a big kind of breakup scene with her and Gary, even though she constantly insists that they're not together, mm-hmm. but also is getting to the point where she knows she's spending way too much time with Gary. And she's got to get a shit together. Friends. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she tries to real. grow up. All right? the arguments that Alana has with people are super bratty and they are annoying. They also feel so real. Every mm-hmm. fight she has with her sisters, the fight with her sisters after her, <laughs> after her, is her Lance? date with Lance, 
Lance. We didn't even. This movie's so chock full of people. We didn't even get to Lance, the smarmiest motherfucker on the this planet. This kid. Oh, they got the steak back here. That's good. Oh That's my good. god, him on the plane. Uh, oh, they got the throttle him. That kid. He showed up. He was in like Book Smart. Okay. And uh, and he's uh, Danny McBride's kid on the Righteous Gemstones. Oh, perfect. So he's been in some good stuff yeah. these last couple years. But Lance, the oldest of the child actors. It's that great juxtaposition where Cooper Hoffman's the song and dance guy, Gary, but now he's kind of chubbing out of parts. Mm-hmm. Even uh, when he's on auditions, he kind of show Gary shows up for audition. They're oh. all surprised by you see in the room he's in there with a bunch of like nine year olds. Exactly, and then he's the like, whoa, who's this? Big old Whoa, guy in polyester Gary. pants showed up. Oh, I love the casting director in that scene where Gary's auditioning. Twice <laughs> says the same line. You still got it, Gary. <laughs> still got it, Gary. <laughs> when he's making small, when Gary's shining him on, making small talk, he's, how you doing? How's the family? Yeah. Well, I'm divorced, but I'm losing weight. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so funny. In my my, uh, I love. I'm every time I see a Paul, I forget that. He's married to Maya Rudolph mm-hmm. and has three beautiful kids. And that his dad was Goulardi. Oh. The old, like the mo- one of the most famous TV horror hosts of all time. That's awesome. In the Cleveland area. His I was wondering was if Goulardi. Uh, his kids were some of the kids that Gary was hanging out with. Yeah, man. When when she's at Tale of the Cock with, because I noticed yes. this time, yeah, he's yeah. sitting next to a girl with Maya Rudolph's bigger was- hair. I was like, that's got to be a pure, one of their kids. Pure right? speculation on my part, but nope. probably. Right? I had the same, looked it up, sure enough. Oh, it could. Cool, yeah, cool, cool, cool. It's, it is. And, Nailed uh, it. You know, but he's doing his audition, which they're also like, maybe you should also read for this Zit commercial. Like, this mm-hmm. is the way his career is going. It's going to be Zit ads for a couple years, and then you're going to be 19, and you, you're going to be a doughy 19-year-old. Right. You aren't going to – there's no roles. Whereas Lance is the guy with a good body – Cheesy ass grin, great teeth, good, great hair, parted down the middle. He's like the he's male Farrah okay. Fawcett air. He's going to make it out. And he's got that same cocky asshole spirit as Gary. When he's hitting on Alana in front of Gary over like four different scenes. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. When he comes back to see him from like first, first class. class, he comes back to coach. Oh, because, you know, like a week after they met, Alana chaperones Gary to New York. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's a good play on Gary's part. Right? Yeah. That's a pull. Good for this kid. But, man. Yeah. Oh, I haven't flown on this bird before. (laughs) That's such a great... That feels like real something someone really said. What an asshole kid actor thing to say. What was was yours? Oh, they serve the steak back here? Yeah. What do you guys have? Oh, they got the steak back here? That's nice. That's good. (laughs) Like it made it back this far. Yeah. Yeah. Down to steerage. Oh, made the, it back here. Great. The peasants are getting the steak. That's nice. Oh, hey, uh, they must gonna... have had a lot of steak, I guess. <laughs> guess yeah. I better get out of these pajamas. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these kids are always just charming her pants off. They're all just trying to charm her, and that's great. I guess all, that's Hollywood, right? They're just all just trying to charm every uh, everybody. Well, that's what that, that yeah. It's like it seems like the whole world is full of shit, <laughs> except Gary. Really, you know, you know he. He's the kid that uh, she's really impressed that actually he's going starts places. businesses yeah. and has ideas. And she sticks. She finds herself sticking up for Gary. Yeah, and, totally. and is impressed with his ability to. She's somebody who pictures herself like working at the photo, and it's like tiny toes. It just is kind of occurring to me how he is a character who plays the game. 
the yeah. adult game of bullshit, of making nice. Mm-hmm. And she is the adult who just will not play that game she, at all she, whatsoever. When she understands there's and it's a like game. It's like they kind of need each other a little bit, right? <laughs> like he needs her to break him out of the bullshit. She needs him to kind of get her to be able to Well, Gary is 15 and understands that there is a game. And he's understood there's been a game for a while. She's yeah. 25 and doesn't really understand that there's a game. She takes people at their worst. She, yeah, she yeah. can be con. She's She doesn't know what to make of sh- drunk Sean Penn. She is confused by this old man, dumb Hollywood behavior of her and Tom Waits. But she gets right. Gary. Yeah, that realization she has when she realizes the uh, Councilman Watts wax wax is uh is a gay man and he she's just, a beard. she she thinks she's gonna meet him for a drink and she has all these kind of she's picturing herself fixations. as a politician's wife all of a she sudden she thinks all of a sudden she's gonna be mrs mayor right yeah exactly and then to find out yeah she's a pawn in this campaign whereas gary is this bullshitter who has also been nothing but honest Right. With her. And actually cares for her uh-huh. and runs to her when she falls off the motorcycle. Oh, these kids run to each other. Oh, so you much You want to see some kids running? She runs after other? him when he goes to the cop station. Yeah. They both run back. Everyone's running around. I love Insane. every single moment where she shows any kind of affection or that she cares for Gary, which is then followed up by him, her calling him a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> It is it is a reaction I cannot get enough. When she comes breathlessly running up to the police station door and you're getting one of these like, I'm getting off of my flight, running through the airport kind of moments, right? And within one minute, she's like, get the fuck out here. Yeah. Why are you still in there? Like, Oh, they have the, the long hug yeah, as if he's been locked away for 10 years. <laughs> and then she immediately shoves him like, what yeah. did you do? Yeah, just on some summer, that same summer where they backed a truck down a down Hollywood Drive, and Gary got a arrested a for a false murder, and they they bashed John Peters' a Ferrari in with a with a sledgehammer, and it's a crazy. Summer, she worked man. on the mayoral candidacy. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, and he started a pinball arcade at the end. Big Ernie's, Fat Ernie's. Yeah, why was pinball illegal for f- like fifty years in L.A.? I don't know. It was, That's just, it was what, one of those weird, I don't know if it was a prohibition thing or if it was Maybe, a, originally yeah, it used been. for gambling or if it was mm-hmm. or if it was part of a dated statute that in, was encompassed by some other gambling house thing. But at the same time, no, I guess that'd be later. I was thinking of the club that Ben Gazzara goes to in uh, Chinese Bookie, the, the Ships Ahoy. Sure. The, the Santa Monica the Underground Casino. Casino, so yeah. So it's like, were there, were there like a bootleg pinball? That'd be awesome. Can you imagine getting thrown in the clink for like, for playing like uh, the Adams Family pinball game? <laughs> <laughs> Have you played that, dude? The Adams Family pinball's sick. It's good, but it's fucking illegal, man. Dude, don't even. Don't if even you find out about this club that has the Star Trek: The Next Generation pinball game, it's like, mm. oh shit, oh that's a good one. That's a good one. I'll risk it all for that if, one. If they, if you find out they have a of like an arcade cabinet of Cadillacs and dinosaurs, you're like, whoa! But that just, yeah, that must uh, to me that just lent itself to that my my kind of ongoing thought of like the old generation for some reason thought they had to make pinball illegal. Yeah, fucking idiots. <laughs> you know these dummies. It's this old generation that's what. portrayed doing completely reckless stuff. Yeah, and are also threatened that they're no longer in charge. So you get Sean Penn drunk off his ass, trying to prove himself to a bunch of strangers by doing a very dangerous 
motorcycle jump where Alana realizes he doesn't even know her name. Yeah. Her real character name. Guy's so drunk, he's just mumbling about he Grace Kelly. kind of she's even there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And uh, <laughs> you get John Peters just threatening to murder a kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. These guys are threatened by the younger generation takeover, and they are handling it poorly. Totally. And even worse because of cocaine. The cocaine is making them uh, go nuts. And, man, it is such just a cultural dichotomy where one's moving in and... This little go-getter starts his own pinball company, and man, it's all so unbelievable, and yet I love every bit of it unfolding. Yeah. I love this dream crashing down of Alana's where the mayor's using him as a beard to cover up his gay... We get that weird, sinister subplot of a private detective who's stalking her, who she also just walks straight up to and gets in his face. Her naivety brings an incredible amount of aggression. (laughs) Right. (laughs) She's not and shy about she it. She is not shy. She is not fearless. She will dance in a swimsuit. She will make out with a guy and then shove him and walk away and yep. walk home in very high heels. She will get into the dumbest argument with her sister, yep. calling her a thinker. She'll drive a truck out of gas backwards down she'll, a hill. She'll ghost ride that truck down a hill, man. Amazing. Beautiful. Bradley Cooper just dry humping her as, the, as he gets her over the... Uh, to pass his Ferrari. Fucking creep. He's like sitting on her like you're sitting on a toilet seat backwards. Fucking hated. He's such a sly man. He threw that gas can at that dude from like 15 feet out. <laughs> Just a spiral right in that guy's face. <laughs> I can't. It's one of those things where you hear like uh, about a, <laughs> a method actor. It's like you never hear about a method actor being a good dude. Being a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, no, man, I got to throw this gas can at you from 20 out. We got to get it just right. Exactly. No, I really got to grind on a lot of scene. <laughs> really got to tongue or neck a bunch. <laughs> no, guys, we got to do this. Sorry, it's, it's how I work. But that's where when we get all into the heart of Gary and we see him seeing Alana sticking to her credo of like, we're not boyfriend and girlfriend. That can't happen. That's ridiculous. She has a lot of boyfriends. Mm-hmm. She has a lot of scenes that Gary sits through. And he, when you see the cracks in his little hustler game or every time he's talking a big game after something happens, we get those little little touches that, oh, yeah, this guy's a 15-year-old. Right. You get those looks. He can bullshit far enough, but, oh, yeah, there's a lot he hasn't gone through. There's a lot of heartache mm-hmm. <laughs> that he's going to go through. There's a lot of great times. There's a lot of bad times. And... He's so good. You never guess these two haven't been in a movie if you don't know anything about them. It's such an important chemistry that had to be so hard to... You can't just luck your way into this. You can't find a chemistry like the two... How do you right. find a chemistry when one actress is 30 and the other guy's a 15-year-old and none of them have ever acted before? How do you luck into this kind of chemistry where you just want to see them on screen together constantly? Mm-hmm. How do you find two people that... uh what uh, effervescent <laughs> that like I couldn't take magnetic, my eyes off right? either of them magnetic right yeah I just wanted to see these two not I get so into a love story and want people to fall in love so much and I'm watching this where I don't know what's gonna happen to them but I just want them to stay around each other mm-hmm. it's like I don't have any cares where their story goes even though I loved where their story went I just love spending time with them so much that I want them to be uh 
back to being on good terms with each other. That's my only hope for the movie. And it's just these incredible uh, vignettes that have this amazing thread of Alana and Gary. It's the love story that on paper sounds like a love story I wouldn't get into. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. (laughs) There's a lot of ways to write this that can make it sound like a not appealing movie. And uh, it's just one of those. It's like a full budget feature of Girls at the Carnival. It's the same way, the same thing I connected to Girls in the Carnival about are the same things I love about a movie like Licorice Pizza. A movie that famously talks a lot about licorice and pizza. Exactly. Full of pizza. The Yeah, the lady buying the ticket ahead of me. <laughs> oh, who, yes. Uh, I, I, this I is love such a, people ordering tickets. Such man. a movie experience that I've missed over the last few years. The lady in front of me to get tickets for licorice pizza goes, two for, uh, what, oh, what's it called? Oh, uh, <laughs> looking at her partner. The, the one about pizza. <laughs> and I, yeah, I was like. It is not about pizza, but sure, we know what you mean. We know what you mean. I, I wonder what that lady thought watching that movie. Like, there's no pizza anywhere sing- in this movie. The uh, it's the the elderly entertainment consumer is is still <laughs> remains one of my favorite. Uh, you there's not many other movie experiences similar to a couple in their seventies leaving the new Suspiria movie. 20 minutes in exactly where it's like we did not read enough about (laughs) Suspiria sometimes you know like every time I was in the theater for Titane I knew everybody else in there was a fucking freak (laughs) everybody in Titane intended to see Titane but there's a especially in our county we have a couple we have two specific theaters that are weirdly geared to the 70 year old film connoisseur definitely we have two different art house theaters that are both, if you show up there, that is when you'll be seeing a movie with people in their 70s. Guaranteed. And this is where that... And this yeah, is those, where we saw that. Yeah, those those two theaters <laughs> were playing licorice pizza. It wasn't at the main spot. No, yeah, this but, is playing uh, the art house ones with the 70-year-olds. So both times I saw this movie was like with 70-year-old people. So, of course, they're seeing a movie about pizza. Yeah. And... <laughs> It is a lost thing about the movies of buying the tickets and hear somebody just here's I love being in line for the movies and hear how little somebody in front of me knows about the movie they're going to see mm-hmm. when it's just eight friends showing up, whether they're like, wait, which one were we doing? And they like they just show up to the movies. We still have a we have the easiest time ever finding out when a movie is playing and what it's about. And people are just showing up at a random time and seeing whatever movie is playing closest to that time. That's a beautiful. That's thing. a lifestyle I, I just don't understand. <laughs> I don't relate to it at all, <laughs> and I love seeing it in the wild. Yeah, so I man. love seeing a woman, <laughs> seeing a that movie, the pizza, the one with the pizza. This is a movie where about halfway through, I suddenly had the realization where I hope that we don't hear anything about licorice pizza. It was like a Southern California record store chain. Right. The name comes from yeah, a record store chain. And then And yeah, you expect at some point to work I'm like there or well, at like an hour in, you're like, Well what? Is there gonna be some dumb scene where it's like, Remember when we met at Licorice Pizza? Like there's no cool way to put it in at a certain point. Right. And if you even have them kiss under like a neon sign that says Licorice Pizza, congratulations. That's the only picture that's gonna be shown whenever this movie's talked about for the rest of its life Mm -hmm. because they're like oh great we can get the title shot in there too perfect that's the only promo shot we need instead we're getting these every promo shot is just like alana with her 
flawed yet incredibly charming smile. Mm. And hands on her hips. Hands, hips. <laughs> both of them sitting awkwardly and not posing right for actors' photos. It's a far cry from a movie poster like Red Notice, mm. where it's like, that doesn't look like a movie. It's real. Those are three right. actors that got photoshopped into, into a picture that they might not even have known they were in the same movie. And all the shots for Licorice Pizza, because they don't have the name in it, is just these two kids. And I love it. And we've talked about this movie as like a vibe. Mm. <laughs> you feel this movie, you know? and Yeah, you just kind of like... The, even the, the name Licorice Pizza, you think about yourself when you're like 12, 13, mm-hmm. 14. Licorice Pizza, they're evocative. It's evocative of a different thing, of a growing up of an innocence, hmm. you know? It's more than just a record chain. It feels like evocative of a certain experience, something we can all bond, relate over, you know? And this whole movie is just vibes, and I, I was into every second of it. I loved it. How do we keep seeing movies that end up being a potential my favorite movie hmm. of the year? Am I the easiest to please person? Ever? I don't know. Or is just movies really great right now? I just, we're liking movies right now, yeah. I mean, just the fact that we get to go see a movie and we get to be safe and... Uh, yeah. There's nobody else in the theaters anymore. Like, we're, we're not seeing the <laughs> Spider-Man movie where it's sold out. I'm not going Friday night. But we're seeing... Yeah, we're getting to go see these movies where you get you to and have I, You, me, nice... and Jason saw Titan just alone. That was it. That was and it. And when we saw this together, I think it was us and maybe four other people, you know, in this, like, 200-seat theater... Yeah. Perfect. It was great. Great lo- for me. That's how I Terrible for the movies. movie industry. Yeah. <laughs> Perfection for me. I don't me. care about that. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah, this is one I'm going to revisit again. And this is, uh, yeah, the last few Paul Thomas Anderson's have not been my favorite. Okay. You didn't uh, connect. Master, Phantom Thread weren't. Uh... Master I liked, but I didn't really get. Sure. Phantom Thread I was, I appreciated, but was kind of bored. Inherent Vice I don't remember a single moment from it. I haven't seen. I haven't seen. I watched it and I just it didn't sink into me at all. Okay, this so, one. Okay, so this 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 is like back to back to loving it. Well, it's for back sure. to something that he's never really done before. I mean, picture of Hard Eight was had a vibe more like this. <laughs> right. He could do it. Well, it could if Hard Eight had a vibe like this, it would have been Bottle Rocket. This has a very much yeah. <laughs> this is just such a casual movie. Compared to his other stuff, that's always so focused and intense. When you and say the camera smash cut into someone, you know, and all the and, and this movie just felt like you're just kind of floating along with these guys, and just yeah, you get to experience immerse vibe rather than wonder what terrible turn is going to happen. <laughs> yeah, or, but yeah, the, yeah, this movie never takes a sinister turn outside of John Peters stalking up a hill in his right. white uh, white frock. The Peters was very much like Alfred Molina in Boogie Nights, kind of a yeah. Kind of Boogie a vibe. Nights is yeah. So it, it felt like it was kind of going back to like a a simpler time, like a, a, a but a Paul time Thomas that he's Anderson's never really career. like captured. Right. You know, he's never captured something with this low stakes. He's never making movies about kids that kind of can be a uh, little shits and get their way out through yeah. it. His movies are about like dark people for the There's most part. There's dark people so that, that can have consequences. It's a lighter it's definitely a lighter version of his stuff. It's a love story that is But so I think it was un- necessary, yeah. right? So it's unexpected, like yeah. Something we needed in this time, something that maybe <laughs> he needed to to do something that's not quite so intense and dark. I've become a real sap and I think part of it is how excited I was for movies to be back. And the fact that so many movies have been so good, but I've been so into the, <laughs> I think I've talked about like seven different movies as be like, 
this feels like the movie that we needed right now. Mm-hmm. You know, when nobody came out, it was like, that's the movie that we come back to. That's the movie. Right. And everyone, it's like the dumbest movies that I'm getting. And it's like, when I saw Resident Evil return to Raccoon City, <laughs> I truly knew that this was the film that we needed now. You know, it's the dumbest shit. But I am so into these movies. And yeah, I'm really happy that uh, Paul Thomas Anderson didn't make an, like the weird guy too. Exactly. You know, there's some weird guys in this movie, but I like that I we got a character some characters that i can kind of see myself in Mm -hmm. i don't need that for a movie i don't need to attach myself to every character i can watch plenty of movies about unlikable or guys with uh, problems yeah he's done a plenty of movies about totally unlikable people yeah living out their lives so it was nice to actually have likable fun people you want to root for you know i was rooting so bad for alana and gary again not rooting for them as a thing I just liked them together in any way. I'm just rooting for them to... <laughs> I'm rooting for them to just stay friends. Just, just keep in contact. Yeah. Keep their thing going. Their thing is too special. Just keep to, being you. To, yeah. Just keep doing what you do. But that's why these movies connect with me. You think of people where, you know, of best friends that you've had. And in the moment, it's like, this is the most I've connected with somebody. I fix your friends. My buddy Jeremy in seventh grade. My buddy Carlos, you know, through... Uh fifth through uh 12th grade you know these people that maybe you haven't talked to them in a decade but Hmm. at the time it was like i can't imagine vibing with somebody more (laughs) i can't imagine getting along with two friends more and we're just playing video games right now right and all the people you had that with and you think like this can't end this is too good to end but it does Hmm. and i like where we wrap up here with uh somebody had to break and alana finally saying this thing that Seeing her realization through uh, Mayor Wax and him hiding who he is and denying the thing that he, his feelings, because it's wrong, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not insisting that you indulge your feelings the way in law does. (laughs) (laughs) Don't realize, I always talk us into like, look, (laughs) she's following her heart. Some people fuck cars. (laughs) Like, I don't know. These are the movies I'm into. (laughs) <laughs> some people are in love with their pig yeah this is my it's not sexual. my favorites and this is what i like movies made about and but that when she's realizing this guy just having to live this lie and how much it's killing him and mm-hmm. how gary is the most definition of not living a lie right <laughs> if he's conning you he is so upfront about what the con is the fact that he's can pull off a con but he also appreciates a good joke like, sure, he could eat shit with John Peters, but this is a great opportunity to fuck with John Peters. Mm-hmm. You know? Can't resist himself because he's a kid. But, yeah, when they run out of gas and it's been an all-nighter and Peters is out there somewhere, they they have this moment where they go get the gas and yeah, they're, they're playing with it like Adam With Sandler Aggie. and Happy Gilmore. Dude, the kid. And it's just like he's just a kid. He's just happy <laughs> to be doing whatever he's doing at that moment. That was such it's, a beautiful moment where Alana and the kids go through this harrowing situation where they're backing, where she is backing an out-of-control gasless truck down a twisty road. Are lives at are risk. at risk. Yeah. And when she pulls it safely through a red light, and their car just dies because it's finally not going downhill. It cuts this gorgeous shot of Dawn and, you know, Encino. And Gary and his friends all acting like they're gas cans or they're dicks. <laughs> <laughs> 
and she's just like every time she has to give just a disgusted face or a face at Gary where she's just like this kid's such an asshole <laughs> is such it's such a beautiful thing her her faces are there's like 80 different frames that I can freeze her on of her just doing a f- different version of like Ugh, yeah that I laughed every time at and she's just looking at this gorgeous like L.A. Dawn and Gary and his friends are just like, <laughs> it's like takes me back to like when you're a sophomore and you don't want a locker on the bottom because you have to be <laughs> your friends going to like, you know, like shove his foot up your ass for mine because all 14 year olds care about That's is like, is like hitting nuts and hitting the tops of door frames. That's all the kids care That's about right. is jumping to hit doors and backhanding your friend in the sack. <laughs> <laughs> and so Gary is able to do PR for four different restaurants, go to auditions, but also jam a gas can up his friend's butt. <laughs> like when he's like, <laughs> exactly. This is a That's 15 year old kid, kid, man. You're just a kid. <laughs> I don't know how all kids just, all boys think it's cool. <laughs> just hit nuts. No one, it's like, nobody, nobody likes it. That. Nobody wants it. <laughs> no, no dad is out there like, remember when you're over at your friends today, <laughs> pretend like anything, you know, cylindrical. I don't know where kids learn this shit, man. It's a dick. The first slumber party I went to, kids were taking underwear out of other kids' bags and putting them in the freezer. And then it's just like, I didn't know these things were kid that kids did. And Gary's still going this? through all those things while he's being like the little young professional. Mm-hmm. And Alana is just kind of mesmerized by it. Like, she doesn't understand it. Exactly. But she, but she obviously how can he, does. It's like, it's, yeah, that, that's a great moment where it's like, how can he be happy and playful and having fun right now (laughs) we've just had this terrible night this terrible experience she feels like shit and he's over there just like yeah like gobbling this uh, gas can (laughs) (laughs) both hands going down (laughs) and like like, that's that great like oh yeah for everything he understands about the world that she does not yet even though he's she's an adult he still has not experienced exactly. consequences and life as an adult. He's still a kid. It's such a great moment. And it leads to another John Peters. John Peters comes back into frame. Somehow doesn't notice the kids. He's just on a sex hunt. <laughs> so coked out. He's just strutting down the street, throwing a can. Throwing a crap. was like a garbage can through a post office. And then uh, and some, it hits on some girls that were, I guess, playing tennis. Some at four tennis in the ladies walking by. Great pickup line from Peters too. You guys like peanut butter sandwiches? There's you get some talking. I bet there's a collection of the worst pickup lines for every John Peters that was in L.A. You write books about terrible lines, but when you're John Peters, I guess you get to a point where you can ask tennis players at what their kind of favorite peanut butter sandwiches after you throw a trash can through a window. So he's acting like a total child, hitting on women, throwing through a can. Over on this side of Alana, Gary's uh, sucking off a gas can that Kirk's <laughs> jamming into his mouth in the in this gorgeous silhouette. Yeah, <laughs> we get like a swing set sunset. She scene. just gives him a look. <laughs> she. This movie's all looks. Not only do I love her voice, but I could have loved a performance of just her giving looks. It's so yeah. good. They're so great in this. I just want it to win all the awards. How do I choose between my favorite actress performance with the girl in Tatane? 
mm. and Alana Haim. Such incredibly. You can like them both, you know. You I can just them. love them both. I love them. It's yeah. Such a great year. You can appreciate them both. It's crazy that we haven't done a P.T. Anderson movie until now. But I, when I look at his career, one of my favorite film careers, Chris Pizza's like top five. This could be like one of my top three. I would Paul say Thomas Anderson. I, I, I think it's definitely in the top top tier. Yeah, top half. That's wild. For sure. That's wild. This guy's still getting it. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's evolving. This is a new thing. This is a thing I haven't seen from him before. Even though it feels within his universe, mm-hmm. it's just different. It's such a area that he hadn't covered, and he covered it perfectly. Uh, it came to this. I think it did. Yeah. This movie is still in theaters. If it's playing Good. in your town, go out of your way to see this one. See the pizza movie. Yeah, the one about pizza. Ask for it by name. The one about pizza. <laughs> Maybe this is a movie that draws those women in because the title was some some kind of evocative title that they mm-hmm. wanted to see. You know? There's a dazed and confused thing. There's a movie called that. You know, sometimes a name is enough to connect somebody to a certain era and a certain place. And maybe Licorice Pizza, these people were going to see. Maybe they are bummed that it wasn't about Licorice nor Pizza. <laughs> maybe it was like the old woman behind me who thought she got Portrait of a Lady on Fire when a woman's <laughs> dress caught on fire and she went, oh. <laughs> really? What'd you get about it, Linda? What did you learn just then? There's there's not a ton to learn in Licorice Pizza. Yeah. If you go in knowing nothing about it and you're an old lady, I think you can just sit there for two hours and 20 minutes and be into it. It's a human story. And it's hard for me to not get into human stories. Mm. I'm Eric. I'm Charlie. Thank you all for listening and good night. <laughs> <laughs>